Welcome to Dense in the Darkness, the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative. We're a new church network that empowers pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. I'm your host, Tim Madeira from WRGN, here with NEC's Executive Director, Dan Nichols. This month, we have Pastor Mike Brewster from Mount Zion Baptist Church on the podcast with us. Dan, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to have Mike talk with us today. Absolutely. Mike and I met about eight years ago when I moved to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania to plant Restored Church with a great team. And Mike's church, Mount Zion Baptist, was one of the first churches we visited as a launch team so that we could see what God was already doing in the city. So that was Mother's Day, Mm -hmm. 2012, and we've been friends ever since. Mike is one of the hardest working pastors I've ever met, and he loves his church with all his heart. And recently, uh, we were just talking on the phone about his for-profit business that their church launched, and I am so pumped that we can grab some time with him today to learn more from their creative and forward-thinking ministry. Mm, And I have been able to see that forward-thinking ministry in Mike for a long time as well, and it is so good to have him as a part of our podcast today. Mike, how about if you introduce yourself to everyone, kind of an overview of your personal story and your family and your ministry? Oh, wow. I don't have enough time for that. But, uh, <laughs> I'll try my best, but thank you so much for having me on uh, this morning, and I, I pray that something we discuss will definitely benefit uh, all those who are listening. But uh, I moved to this area uh, in 2004, wow! <laughs> uh, answering the call of God to uh, come and pastor Mount Zion Baptist Church here. I met my wife uh, years before that, uh, doing ministry together at this church, and uh, they had come to a point where they needed a pastor. I came in to fill in, and long story short, it turned out to be uh, that God had longer plans for me than just being an interim pastor here. So mm. through the years, we have uh, I've gotten a chance to learn the community and to see how God has uniquely gifted uh, this church to be an answer to uh, so many of the issues uh, that uh, the community needs to have an answer for, but from a biblical perspective, you know, being the hands and feet of Christ. So and that's what we've been doing for the past, uh, what is this, 17, 17 years, years. Yeah. and it's been a journey, I mm. tell you. I remember when uh, Dan and Tim <laughs> came into the church, uh, and, uh, you know, with us being a, at that time, we were not very diverse. We were a completely black church, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh, so it was very uh, easy to pick them out in the crowd, you know, <laughs> and uh, they did not seem uh, intimidated, not the least, no. and uh, they just uh, fit right in. If they were intimidated, they, they didn't show it, <laughs> and um, I was just really uh, impressed that uh, uh, them being uh, new in the area, that they thought it uh, a necessity for their own ministry efforts to connect and to find out what's going on in the area. And that was just good, good ground work to do for any uh, church plant. So I admired them for doing that. And we felt so privileged to be one of the churches they started with. Mm. But uh, Yeah. 
Now, so at the time, they were meeting across the city from you. Now the church is yeah. uh, actually in fairly close proximity to your church. But uh, you've done some ministry together as well, right? Yeah. You know, it's been a, a blessing through the years uh, just watching restored, mature, and grow from seedling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, very seedling. Uh, a very, <laughs> very prominent and strong and visible ministry. Uh, I remember uh, in the earlier years, we were going to the house churches, you know, the house church that they had right there in the, in the center of the uh, mm-hmm. King's College area over there. I remember hosting missionaries uh, that they brought in to town over here who needed a place to stay. And yeah. We were all ready to open our doors to them. And uh, we certainly remember, you know, going over and doing some painting and, you know, uh, straightening up over there at the building when uh, they oh, got man. the new facility. It was just, it's just been a blessing just to see the progression of what God has done in their ministry. The body of Christ working together, I think that is one of the things. We've talked about it a lot with NEC. Uh, We talk about it a lot here at WRGN as well, because part of our value system is that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if we raise the spiritual water level in this community and then across the Northeast, we're going to see people impacted for the kingdom. Well, anytime God looks down on a geographical region, he doesn't see the walls and divisions that we typically put between ourselves. He just sees his kids. Mm. And so it was very mm. important for us as we moved into Wilkesbury to say, what is God already doing? Who is already, you know, the Lord's here? What's happening? And how can we just be a part of what God's already doing? And so Mount Zion has been in Wilkesbury serving the Lord as a church. How many years now, Mike? How long has Mount Zion existed? Uh, 127 years. <laughs> 127 wow. years. So Restored Church is years. only about seven years old. Right. So You're we just have that, that third number, right? <laughs> Mount Zion's got like two numbers in front of it. Yeah. And man, God's doing so much through Mount Zion. And we're just so excited to talk about uh, what you guys are doing in, in recently with mm-hmm. Mount Zion uh, food services. Tell us more about this this for-profit business that God has birthed through your ministry to serve the community, provide jobs. I'm just so excited to hear more about what God's doing through this. I want to say about a year or two ago, year and a half, we were sitting in a a board meeting. And um, well, I'd say a little bit before that, I'd gone to a leadership, pastor's leadership meeting. In that meeting, these ideas of of finding alternative income Mm. uh, solutions for churches came up. I remember being intrigued about that conversation. And then I had also seen an article by Mark DeMace talking also about the importance of churches really paying attention to this, given the landscape of what's happening culturally and economically in our country. And these things, you know, I'm one of those folks that, you know, uh, it doesn't take much for me to see the rain coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if I would have been one of those in Noah's time when he said it's going to rain, I'd, be, I, I'd say, okay, I believe you. Yeah. you know, let's, let's, let's get on the, the money and build this ark. Mm-hmm. So I went to our board and I st- started to share that information with them and told them that I, I really do think it's time for us to really think about the dangers that are associated with being 100% dependent upon charitable giving. Mm. Well, anything can affect that. So, you know, the economics can affect that. Um, what we just went through. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, just personal life 
things can happen. And it's not a matter of folks' hearts wanting to give. They just simply cannot give Mm -hmm. the way they used to. And so, you know, as we began to think about what could happen, we started looking at all of what God was doing. And we were not comfortable with the idea that at any moment, all of what we are working very hard to accomplish could come crashing down or coming to a screeching halt Hmm. um, because we did not have other resources to continue those efforts. And so we began to explore this a little bit more, and we found out that there was uh, an option that charitable organizations could take advantage of, which is creating a what's called a 502 forearm feeder Mm. organization. Mm -hmm. And this uh, organization um, is allowed to conduct just about any business the church see fits to to conduct. And the profits are, can go a hundred percent to support the church. Now I think these, these feeder organizations can only support one charitable organization at a time. And so that's why many people create more than one, (laughs) you know, but um, for us, the one that we created has been doing an amazing job. Now, let me just give you some background of why we chose the food Mm -hmm. uh, business. One, because, well, people like to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Always have to eat, right, Michael? (laughs) And it's it's just, uh, you know, it's always going to be a need. It's always going to be what people seek after. And the other thing I might add is that it's so important that when you're thinking as a church about what you can do, what business do we do? We should you should choose something that really caters to who you are as a church. Find out what is it that we do well. Mm. What is it that we have been doing? Usually there's indication within the church that that there are some entrepreneurial skills and giftings that yeah. just come natural to the church. Mm-hmm. And so what came natural for us was cooking. We always for years Mount Zion has been known for cooking, cooking, cooking and in its hospitality. So we found out about uh, a couple of state programs that we could get on board with and help provide meals to children in the area. It was a state reimbursement food service program and the child and adult care food program. We started doing that as a church, not under the for-profit business, but under the church, because there are stipulations with running that program. But we started to see the benefit of how we can provide, we can actually be an answer to a need in the community. Yeah. And the church could benefit from doing that financially as well. Not a whole lot. It's not a program to get rich from. It's not going it to support the church all by itself. That's right. That's right. So we decided, well, hey, we'll do that. We did that for about three, four years. We've been doing that now. We're still doing it. And then uh, we saw that through that program, there are many different areas we can serve our community through providing food. And so we started to explore that everything from delivering meals right now because of COVID. There are many people who have a product that they need to get to their customers. Yeah. And so we looked into ways in which we could be an answer to that. We saw that by creating this for-profit business We could entertain these other business opportunities, and then all of those monies can go directly to the church in addition to what other monies from the nonprofit side 
uh, running those programs who go to the church. And, and I tell you, it's just been a tremendous blessing in a number of ways. I don't want to dominate the conversation here. But, no, um, actually, the, I, the thing that arises as you talk about this is the idea of being able to meet a physical need. We saw this with Jesus in his ministry. He met two needs. He met the spiritual need, but he also uh, met the physical need. And sometimes in reverse order. The physical Mm -hmm. need was met first, then the spiritual need was met. Other times the spiritual need was met, and then the physical need was met. And this seems like a natural fit for a church. Yeah, I'll I'll echo to you something I heard a pastor say, that if a church can find, and and this was, keep in mind, this was in a leadership conference kind of setting, Mm -hmm. where we're talking about everything, including finances. So Mm -hmm. he says, if you can find out where there is a problem in your community and be the solution to that problem, people will be willing to pay you to be the solution of that, of their problem. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I have seen firsthand. You know, it's not that we're just always looking where we can get the next dollar. We are actually saying, okay, where is there a need that we are uniquely strategically gifted by God to be an answer to. And we have found that whenever we've been that answer, the resources follow. And you know what? This is what international missions is turning into more prominently than than former models, right? Mm-hmm. The old model was you go around to churches, you say, here's my vision for evangelism. I'm mm-hmm. going to go and I'm going to share the gospel here. You know, Give us money so we can go and we can share the gospel. Uh, those models worked really well for a long time, mm-hmm. but now the new models are business as missions mm-hmm. all across the world. Uh, we actually brought a guy into uh, Restored who talked about like the uh, resort business in uh, in a country where Christians are doing this resort business internationally, and they are doing this legitimate business that's taking off and flourishing. And through that business, they're able to share the gospel in a country where if they just said, well, I'm going to go share the gospel, they wouldn't even be in the country in the first place. Right, because we've got these closed countries. And look, let's face it, we're, we're in some ways heading that way here in the United States. Yes, People see the mm. church as against what the world is doing instead of seeing right. the church as being able to meet the needs. Yes, in the community. Yeah, yeah. And I will say that we've already run into a scenario where we could see how divine creating this organization has meant for us being able to continue to provide services and that we came across a scenario where they just really asked us, we know your church, do you have another organization? Because we can't get the funding that we receive and give it to a church. And do you have another organization? Mm. So and they we were literally were wanting you to do this. <laughs> that's yeah, so that's cool. Awesome. I, I, that's so cool. I was so excited, man, to be able to say, yes, we do. And we had just set it up too. It was so, so uh, divine how that happened. Now, how but did yeah. you, how did you go about setting it up and launching it? Good. Oh, great question. Well, we looked around to find experts in the field to who could really guide us through the process. We eventually went with an organization called Start Church. Mm -hmm. Start Church, um, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they are an organization that really helps churches set up the church legally. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're beginning a church plant, 
and they will get all your paperwork straight that you need to file with the state and apply for your 501c3 tax exempt status and things of that nature. They do all of that. Well, they also do the same for uh, business and, you know, any business that you want to set up for charitable purposes or, or not, mm-hmm. you know, they, they specialize in this area. So we, we sought out their services. We c- contracted them and um, they helped us get everything in place. Uh, we didn't really have to do much, but, but really hand over the information that they needed and wow. everything was set up it mm. was for a fee, of course. Now you make it you make it sound easy. Uh, what was the most challenging part for you as you set this up through your church? I would say helping the board to understand how vital and necessary it is because of the changing times. Yes, that this is not just something nice to do. For many churches, it will be the Noah's Ark Mm. that will help them navigate through these uncertain times Mm. that we are living in. And there is no real end, I can see personally, to COVID right now. And the new norm that we are all going to have to adjust to um, is going to mean that many churches are going to have to, if they have no other answer... It means almost certainly that they're going to have to, you know, lower the budget. Pastors are going to have to rethink their salaries, mm. staffing support. And when we do that, that scares me. And I don't mean, you know, I'm not panicked, but, you know, you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm, what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that means ministry is going to be affected in a large way. How we have, you know, been getting the gospel out there, how we have been working in missions I believe God is uh, challenging us to do as the church has always had to do, and that is rise to the challenges of its times Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and learn how to continue to be the rock steady church of Jesus Christ Mm. in the midst of uh, cultural changes from the smallest to the greatest. And I think right now, this is where God is kind of pushing us to be more entrepreneurial. Even if it means sewing tents, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that because I was saying, Lord, how can I really help the church and those who are listening today grasp the that this is a biblical principle, that this isn't just about, you know, a lot of times when you talk about church and business, you know, that rubs people the wrong way. They yeah. think, oh, it's just about making money. It's just about the dollar. No. You know, and uh, when you look at Paul's ministry and mm. how Paul made tents, now he did it for a couple of reasons. You know, um, one of them being that he didn't want the you know anyone to come back and say, "Hey, you know, I'm supporting you. You you know, you owe me." Mm-hmm. You know, the other reason was he wanted to provide for his needs and the needs of others. And in the book of Acts, you you see that Acts twenty verses thirty three through thirty five. It says that he, he says, you know, that I work with my hands and I attended to my needs mm. and the needs of others. And I take that to mean that can't the church do tent making? Mm-hmm. You know, can we say we've reached a point where we need to minister to our hands, to our own hands 
and the needs of others being the community. And the point that you're making, Mike, is that it's not about do we have permission or is it okay? You're making the point this is becoming necessary that for the church in the future and even the church right now, tent making, bivocational, co-vocational, all of these avenues are the new norm that the church has to grapple with and we've got to get ahead of it. And I just think it's so cool that you guys have gotten ahead of it because two, two big challenges I've heard of, number one, millennials, American millennials do not believe that, that especially for salaries and personal salaries of ministries, that that should be uh, given primarily through charitable giving. Mm. Like millennials are much more of the mind come up with something creative, a legitimate business to take care of your own salary. That's how they think. And millennials, Mm -hmm. you know, we're growing up (laughs) a little bit, you know, like we're coming into our thirties here and we're going to start to have more money than we did in our twenties. And then secondly, there's the challenge of newer believers. If we're really reaching a post-Christian America, newer believers that are coming to faith, it's kind of that old saying, the last thing to get saved is your wallet, right? right. It's like, as you're taking them on that maturity (laughs) journey, they're not going to start giving and tithing the way that, you you know, our, our grandparents' generation yeah. was taught and, yeah. and have for yeah. a long time. So there's just yeah. a lot of challenges. But man, I, I want to know what kind of questions are you guys asking, Mike, like in this season, as you're working with your board, as a church, you've been doing this, you said three to four years, right? Was Zion Food Services? Yes. What questions are you guys asking now about the future, about where you're headed as a church? Well, Let me just say that our questions are different now than they have been (laughs) (laughs) pre-COVID. That's good. Um, I think that, you know, when things like this happen, it has a way of bringing up things that churches never, ever thought to think of. And it's, it's really just changing altogether how we think about ministry going forward. So I think right now, questions that we are asking as a church is, Not only how we can continue to be an answer to community issues, how can we better serve our community, but it is how do we respond to this digital age that we're in and getting over accepting the fact that church will never be the same after this. It won't. You know, it just will not. Um, There is going to be... There are going to be those who will come back and there will be those who will not come back. Right. And um, now that we have shown that we can do services and we can get really creative with that online and provide a quality service experience, there are many out there, especially the younger, the millennials are like, well, look, I can do church this way. you know. <laughs> so unless they are really wanting to have that connection which we need to push, mm-hmm. I would say, because that's what I believe the Bible teaches, yeah. you know, that we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves. The reality is that until people get to that point, church will not return to the way it used to be for quite some time. Well, it's just, it comes back to the gospel, right? Like, aren't we so thankful that God didn't stay up in heaven and look down at us and say, hey, all of you get up into my world. Wouldn't have been possible. But instead he sent Jesus. And for so often, I mean, for a long time, the church has had that mentality of, hey, all you out there, 
come into our world here. Mm -hmm. But what you guys are doing, especially with Zion Food Services, you're saying we are going to be the hands and feet of Jesus in something that's providing jobs, meeting needs in the community, and providing a revenue stream that we can channel to spreading the gospel in very legitimate ways. Now, you mentioned something there that I don't think you've touched on yet, Michael, and that is providing jobs. We talked about what you're providing to the community, but you Mm -hmm. are also providing jobs for people either in the church or outside the church. Is that correct? Right, right, right. And, you know, as a church, no matter how much good you do in a community, what we have found as we have started to, you know, embark upon a building uh, building project and, mm. and other things in the community that, you know, one of the biggest things that we see or we hear is that we don't want to give up property that can be used as taxable property, mm. you know, where the community or the city can benefit from those revenues. And, and I, I must say that I actually felt torn there because I felt like, well, yeah, we are a part of this community. And to a certain extent, I do feel that it's okay for us to, I know somebody's going to, going to jump on me. That's okay. This, You're talking to pastors. I don't, here, okay. taxes. I don't mind paying the taxes. Let me tell you, if it's going to change the mindset of those who we are serving, that we're just, even though we're serving there, they have this mindset that we are robbing Mm. Right. robbing them right. and mm. robbing the community. We're not contributing, even though we are. Right. We are contributing. But if, if paying taxes gets you to say we are a stakeholder. There you and, go. And the community. There and, you go. You know, we are vested here and we're wanting to see, wanting to see this community be built up, mm-hmm. you know, economically. And that makes you more open to receiving the gospel from us because you feel that we're in there with you. I'm okay with that. Mm. I, you know, I told that to a few folks and the lawyers were looking at me like, that's crazy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but what creating this business does is it gives us that. Yeah. It gives us that ability to say, hey, we are, we are paying taxes. We are out there with you and we are providing much needed resources and it kind of builds up our credibility in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we hear this a lot. You know, they say, well, you've got, you know, your tax exempt status. You should be quiet because you don't. <laughs> well, the fact is, I believe that most people who give to the church are not giving for the tax deductible donation. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think, and we've seen it here at the station, you know, we're listener supported. That's not why people give to the cause of Christ, because they're giving to the cause of Christ. And that really is what it's about, what you're doing. So as, as we are talking to the people who are listening and for Dan and I as well, how can we pray for you guys and what you're doing at Mount Zion? Oh, I would say the first thing that we have constantly kept as a prayer is wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Mm. These are uncharted waters for us, and they will be for anyone who dares to step out of the water and by faith pursue wherever God has planted wells in this time and in this season to be a refreshing to the the, the drought conditions. Wisdom, strategy, insight, and an openness of mind to with, with courage to be able to do things you have never ever done before. And I'm going to tell you, it's pretty intimidating. I'm a pastor. You know, I've gone to school for Bible Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay, (laughs) ministry, not business, right? you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And so for me, this has been such uh, a journey and it, it is, it has made for a very uncomfortable position for me to be in yet. 
at the same time, deep down, I know that God has given or equipped me with the ability to to do what he's asking of me to do. And I, I would pass that on to all pastors who are feeling this sense of tug as they listen to this. I, I really feel that's what we need to do. But you are gun shy and you're saying there's yeah. just no way yeah. I, I can do this. I can step out and do this. If you're feeling the tug, trust the Holy Spirit mm. <laughs> because he's not going to tug you in an area that he's not equipped you or does not already have plans and preparation for you. That's right. And we have seen that firsthand that where God leads, he definitely provides. So I would say pray for wisdom, courage and openness because it is this is challenging everything, mm-hmm. everything that we understand and have understood that church is, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to outreach. It's pushed us more out into the community than we ever have been, you know, and we were out there. Oh, yeah. You know, we oh, were yeah. More than most before. But we're out there even more. Yeah. And there's another level of responsibility and accountability. Mm-hmm that we have. And that's, that's a great challenge. Oh, that's great. Well, you've mentioned a couple of things as we've talked, you mentioned the uh, Mark DeMay's article, uh, the start church, and we're going to put all of that information in the show notes because we want our listeners to be able to, if they've, our interest has been piqued, first of all, to know that it can be done because you guys have done it. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, to know that they don't have to do it alone. There are resources out there that will help them and you've made use of those resources can you be a resource to some of our listeners who might go hey you know i just need to know i need to talk to somebody for a little bit about what they did hey absolutely as long as they keep in mind that we're newbies in the field (laughs) sure (laughs) we are still tracking this Mm -hmm. and finding our way through uh, but I will definitely be willing to share with anyone thoughts. They can pick my brain, uh, you know, and, and I'll share everything we have. One of the things I said to Dan was uh, I really, really hope that this is an answer to many pastors and churches mm. and church boards mm-hmm. prayers out there. Yes. You know, it may not be the answer you might have thought God was going to bring. Right go into business. <laughs> it doesn't sound like uh, something that would drop from heaven, but but how about it, looking at it from the perspective of finding where you can be an answer? Where can you be an extension of God's hands and feet? And for us, it was getting these meals to children. And so it wasn't just starting a business. It was being Jesus, being Jesus to the community where Jesus needs us right now. And I think you will find the answer. You will find where God is uniquely, strategically gifted and situated you for Mm. your community. Mm. And I think that is the key. We want to continue to make dents in the darkness here in the Northeast, and we can do it as we seize opportunities that God has given us. Thank you, Michael Brewster. We thank you, Mount Zion Church, for leading the way in this. And uh, of course, all of the information that we shared here will be in the show notes for you to check out share this podcast with someone else to help be a dent in the darkness here in Northeast America.